0: Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear... Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Let's pray. Lord, we come to your word asking that you bless our time. Lord, I, I pray that we come to understand this parable of Jesus in a way that, um, that changes us, that, that doesn't just become something that we, we know a lot about in this familiar story, but it actually changes the way we think about being a disciple of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to be receptive to your word in this time, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> If you go back far enough in time, there are a number of Japanese people who will talk about how days before the Americans during World War II dropped atomic bombs, came and actually dropped many letters and notes from the sky warning people and civilians of a large attack. Now, many Japanese people at the time just thought it was kind of just war for the day, and they're just trying to scare people, and they see these notes, and they want them to get out of town, but they were not receptive, and I actually had a friend in college whose parents, grandparents, excuse me, were Japanese, and they actually kept one of these letters from the Americans telling them that they should leave because a big attack was happening, and as we know that the Americans, they dropped... um, Atomic bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, killing just whole, thousands and thousands of people in just a matter of seconds, right? Just the destruction of the atomic bomb. And I, I just kind of like, when he told me that story and he showed me pictures of it, I, I found it fascinating that I have never really heard that part of the story. That Americans, they realized the seriousness of dropping the atomic bomb, and they I guess they tried a little bit to warn people of what was coming. And so in, in that instance, your receptiveness to hearing that message was going to save your life. The parable that we just read um, is really interesting because there's one, I don't know if you caught it in the middle, there's some pretty like divisive things that Jesus says, right? And, and we'll kind of explain that in a minute. But two, it's, it's interesting because how many of us have maybe experienced at times the type of different soil that Jesus is explaining. And let me give you an example. When I was in high school, I had a friend who grew up across the street from me. His name was Nathan, but we called him Daniel. Weird enough, I don't know why. It wasn't even his middle name, but we called him Daniel. Everyone called him Daniel. And um, he grew up Catholic and his parents went to the Roman Catholic Church in town. But... He would come to youth group with us, and he came every week, and he went on all the retreats, and and he was a a fairly active member in our youth group. And I remember having conversations with him. I rode the bus with him. Again, he lived across the street. I was at his house. He was at my house, pretty close friends. And we'd talk about the Lord, we would listen to the same music. We, We both fell in love with Reliant K at the same time. Yet at one point, fascinating enough, his parents made him go to confirmation at his Catholic church. And he had friends there who um, liked to smoke a lot of weed during confirmation classes at the Catholic Church. And so he participated. And he kind of started becoming a little bit more distant and kind of hands away, not so much hanging out with me and some of my other friends. Until so eventually one day we hear that he got expelled for having tons of hard drugs on him at school. And eventually he comes back to school a year later after going to to juvie and rehab for a little bit. And I remember talking to him and he was cordial and he was casual, but he said, you know what, I tried that Christian stuff. I just have no place for it. And that was just really, really hard for me to hear because I remember being at a concert. There's this band called Future of Forestry. If anyone's ever heard of it. They were playing this great worship set. I remember one time being right next to him and he had both his hands up Eyes closed, just going for it. And yet, I now hear him say, "I don't even believe in Jesus." Not to say that I'm completely writing him off. I don't know what happened to him. I'm sure I can track him down on Facebook if I try. But I think we've all maybe experienced at times people who, at one point in their Christian life, were walking with God, and it looks like a lot of great things are happening. But then, out of nowhere, they're not. And so Jesus' story, I think, is timely to every generation. It is timely because there is always going to be people who have an appearance of of knowing Jesus and being receptive to his word and being his disciple. But as we see, there are a few different types of people. And I want you guys to notice something. Out of the four people, there is only one person who bared fruit. And so... Uh, We've been going through Mark, we've been uh, making our way slowly to it, and we finally get to this great passage. But but I want us to remind ourselves of a little bit of the context. So far in the Gospel of Mark, there have been, especially last week, a number of crowds or people or categories that we kind of keep running into. The first is this, we keep running into the religious leaders. And they don't really like Jesus. At first, they're kind of like, yeah, who's this guy? But now... Like last week, we saw they call him Beelzebub. They think he's from Satan, right? And so they're always trying to trap him. They don't like him. But we also see that Jesus has his family. And they kind of think he's crazy and cuckoo. And man, what is Jesus doing to our family name? We should take him back home with us, right? And lastly, we see the crowds. And all of those three, I guess, parties in the Gospel of Mark help us to really understand what Jesus' words are saying here, okay? So if you are someone who likes main points, here's the main point of the parable of the sower. Those who bear fruit in God's kingdom are those who are receptive to his word. Those who bear fruit in God's kingdom are those who are receptive to his word. So what I would like us to do As I mentioned, there are four different people described here, four different persons. And I would like, and and unfortunately, I was kind of that that typical pastor, and I alliterated all the people, right? So they all start with a C. I know, I'm that guy, I did it. (laughs) And so um, I just want to briefly explain. So Jesus kind of gives like this this random parable, and you're like, what is it saying? And then he kind of gives this one kind of like little two-liner where he's like, what in the world does that mean? And then he actually explains it at the bottom. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to go to the four people, visit back up to the middle section, briefly describe that, and then have our conclusion. Does that sound okay? So Mark gives us four people, and we can learn and reflect on what it means to have a receptive heart to God's word. All right. Let's go ahead and look at verse 4, right? So the first person we see in the parable of the sower is the calloused person. Verse 4 says this, And he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. So obviously, I'm sure most of us can pick up, the sower is the person who is going and they're preaching the word of God. Okay, so we can take that, the word to be synonymous with the gospel, with any type of biblical preaching. Someone comes, and, and there, there are a number of people listening, and he, he preaches the word, and the first person, he says, look at verse 15. Kind of gives a spiritual example of that person in verse 15. And he says, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown when they hear. Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Right? So kind of the first example Jesus gives is birds come and eat the seed. So uh, how many of you like to garden? Right? Um, I'm not a big gardener, but I recently, like last couple of months, reseeded seeded my lawn. And um, you just get a bunch of seed. I just kind of like grab a handful of it the way I do it. I was like, oh. <laughs> just chuck it over the ground, okay? And so we have um, a little bit of... Um, a walking path, and some of the seed got on there, and there's literally no soil at all. It's just kind of exposed, and there's seed, and you know what birds like? They like seed, and so I remember just birds continually coming on, and so I'd get rocks to throw at them, you know? Get out of here. Get out of here. And so in essence, what what Jesus is saying, that that there are some people, when, when they hear the word of God, it literally does nothing. It just stands there. And what happens is Satan comes and he steals the word. In essence, that they have no heart at all to receive the word of God, the gospel, in their life. When I think of people in this category, the callous person, as we call them, I think of people who are so closed-minded to even participating in any argument about Christianity. Like a lot of times when I think about modern philosophies like secularism, materialism, when, when I think of certain political parties, or not, not necessarily right or left, but just certain political ideologies, people who say, man, I, I cannot believe people would even consider that Jesus was God. I'm reading a book right now by N.T. Wright called Simply Jesus. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to make a bridge, a gap between people who take Jesus to be who he claims he is, the Son of God, that he's God incarnate. And he tries to bridge the gap of people who just see Jesus as a moral teacher and you are drinking the Kool-Aid uneducated if you think that Jesus was actually God. And he's trying to bring both parties together to, to, to help everyone see. But, but here's the part of, of the book that I, I struggle with. It's the callous person in the parable of the sower. That there are some people, no matter what you say, no matter how you say it, that they are so closed off to the gospel and to hearing what you have to say about the good news of Jesus that nothing happens. And so sometimes, here's the question we have to ask ourselves when we think about the callous person. Why do people harden their hearts to the gospel? Why do people want to have nothing to do with hearing about Jesus? Because clearly, Jesus struggled with this. I mean, it didn't seem, no matter what Jesus was able to say back to the Pharisees and the scribes, it seemed that their hearts were so hardened that they weren't even able to think differently. Um, I'm gonna go against my camp here for a second, um, but, but I think this is a good example of how sometimes we can be better than being super close-minded. So there was a debate with, I think, Bill Nye, the science guy, and uh, Ken Ham. And Bill Nye asked this really interesting question. He says, what could I say, or, or what could happen for you to change your opinion just a little bit? And the guy representing this, this the Christian side of the argument said, nothing. I, I will never change my argument. Nothing can ever Make me change what I think about a six-day little creation, and I said, "What a what a missed opportunity to kind of not be such a callous person, right?" And and so here's the thing: I think sometimes people harden their hearts to the gospel because sometimes they're just wrecked and ruined by some of like the nasty, bad things of religion. But for whatever it is. I hope it's none of you, because since you're here, you're at youth group, but, but maybe it is you, that when you hear this stuff, you're saying, I just, it does nothing for me. I don't, I don't want anything to do with this. And that's, that's the first person, and maybe that's the part where we kind of maybe distance ourselves from the most, because none of us really want to say, like, I don't care about God's word at all. I'm zero receptive to it. I'm not even going to listen to it. You know, far be it from me that I even entertain the idea of, of trying to understand the Bible more. But Jesus goes on, and he gives us three more people. So the next person is what I call the cowardly person, right? Isn't there a Wizard of Oz character? Is yeah. the, lion. the lion. So we can call the second point the cowardly lion person, if you really want. So verse 5, okay, what is it? The plain explanation, Jesus says, Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. So that is kind of the rocky soil, Jesus explains it, but the spiritual explanation, he says in verse 16 and 17, it says this, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while, then... When tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So, in essence, Jesus begins his parable by saying, okay, well, some seed, you know, again, if you're, if, you're, if you're a sower and you have the seed and you're kind of chucking along the, the path, right? So some gets on the path and some kind of falls into the rocky soil, right? And so I think we maybe have seen this too. I can even go back to my grass illustration. So we have the hard path, But then I also have some like a little rocks kind of where, by the way, putting rocks in your backyard like as like a natural barrier when you have little kids was the worst decision i ever made. (laughs) Do you know how many rocks I run over with my lawnmower? (laughs) I just, I'm going to go for it for a second. But I'm like, babe, tell the kids to stop moving the rocks. They're just kids. I'm I'm like, no. Do you know how much it works? I and mean, then it's like, and they I get all these rocks and make a big pile, and I don't see it for a second. And then I come back out two months later, and I move the rocks, and it's like a big dead spot. And it's just like, <laughs> help me out here a little bit, you know? Anyways, if I look at, like, my lawnmower's all chipped, I am I'm sure. But whatever. We have rocks, and some of the seeds got in there. You could see a little bit of grass kind of poking through a little bit of the rocks. So what do we get here? And this is maybe the part of the of the of the parable of the sower that I kind of struggle with. Is Jesus saying that this person isn't a Christian at all? Is he kind of just saying that they have a cowardly faith, right? So it kind of because like so they hear the word, until so they hear the gospel, they're like, "Man, that's the best thing I've ever heard in my life." And they sign up, and like, yeah, Jesus, you got it all, man. Like, I, I want to be a Christian. I'm going to love you, Lord. This is awesome. They joyfully, they, not that they just receive it, they joyfully receive the word. But what happens? They have no root. They have nowhere to go. And so the result is that when trials come into their life, when hard things happen to them, what do they do? They fall away. How many of you guys know the song, Come Thou Fount? Come Thou Fount, right? So I I like that song a lot, and I remember someone once explained to me this story. So the third verse of that song is really interesting. He says, "Um, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone, he says, I am prone to leave the God I love. And he says, he says, like, God, Bind my wandering heart to Thee," he says. Um, that was the line where he says, "Pretty much like put me in the, the trap." What is that? Anyone what I'm talking about? Anyways, it's okay. So the, the whole song, though, we, when you, yeah, like the fetter, right? like <laughs> bind my wandering heart like a fetter, right? It's like the fetter you kind of put your arms in, they they you put your head over it, like the medieval thing. Like he, he's literally saying. God, I am so prone to wonder. Bind me to you. Bind me to you. Now, what's fascinating about that song is that the guy who wrote it walked away from the Lord. And I think like, he, almost like he knew it. He knew that he was maybe the cowardly person, or maybe the next person, the concerned person. But whatever it was, this guy, he at one point, he responded to the Christian gospel. He responded to being a disciple of Jesus joyfully. He wanted to live for the Lord. But then whatever happened, trials, tribulations. I mean, I, I just I know so many people, when, when, when a bad thing happens, that the first thing they do is they... They ask God, how, how dare you do this? And I think the application for us, guys, listen, this is really, really important for you. Are you ready for this? The application for the cowardly person is that as Christians, we do not have a faith that is based off just emotions, but we have a faith that is grounded in the word of God. Such important words for high schoolers to hear. I said it this morning in church if, if you happen to be there, but I haven't said it in a while here, so I'll say it again. The Christian life is not always big mountaintop experiences. The Christian life is not always, like, this big joyful thing. Like, a lot of times, guys, can I, can I be honest with you? Like, just track with me for a second. Everyone kind of track with me. The Christian life is a lot of ordinary. It's a lot of doing small things that are mostly overlooked, over a long period of time. What better example of that than tonight? November 12th, Veterans Day weekend. Going through just another passage in Mark's gospel. Singing songs where Catherine obviously broke the mic and it's just blowing up. (laughs) Giving us heart attacks. But do you you know why, do you guys know why I say this is a particularly important point for you? Because I I cannot tell you how many young people I see get just swayed into the emotional Jesus chants at a Hillsong concert. They go home and watch porn on their phone. The amount of people who... Who, who, who can talk a big talk in small group, yet yeah, when it comes to the Monday through Saturday of living the Christian life, it's just not there. And then we, we, get, we get really wrapped up in, like, in a community. We get really wrapped up in the big feelings. We, we like those big mountaintop experiences. We like going to mission trips and, and winter retreats because it makes us feel a little bit higher for a second. But what usually we, we find that we come down pretty hard too. And if your faith is only built on just big moments... If your faith is only built on cool youth groups, dynamic worship, kind of cool lighting, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think, I think Jesus has a warning for us. That our, our faith, it shouldn't be just based on It should be based in our receptiveness to the word. So the last last person before the good person is the concerned person. So we had the callous person, the cowardly person, and now we have the concerned person. Verse seven, other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain. Jesus goes on to explain this in verse 19. He says, um, Excuse me, verse 18. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So, again, we we have four different soils, right? We have four different places where, like, we get a handful of seed, we check it. The first is the path. That doesn't do anything. Those people are callous. The second is the rocky ground. Right, So it grows up a little bit, but it has no depth. It's grounded just in emotions, and it eventually dies off. But the third is that they are put on, as Jesus calls them, the thorns. So imagine um, if you have a little garden box and you let weeds grow in it. Why are weeds bad for those who are gardeners? Not just because they look bad. Because... Yeah, they steal all the good nutrients, they make it hard, they crowd out the good fruit, right? And so Jesus is saying here that there's people, they hear the word of God, it begins to do something, but what happens is that they feel this pressure that, hey, Jesus is really cool, but I also like having a lot of money. Church is really important, but Seahawks is at 1 o'clock. Hey, no, Jesus is really great, but I'm just going to take a time out, and I'm going to college, and I'm going to kind of get some years of experience, and I kind of, after that, I'll I'll kind of re-venture into the church. Hey, I I really like Jesus, but, man, if I don't get good grades in high school, I'm not getting into good college, which means my life is going to be a mess, which means everything matters about what I do today. Imagine living under the pressure of that thought, right? The concerned person has crop, though it stands for a little bit, it becomes useless. The application, I think, for this one, and we're going to move quickly on to the last person where I want to spend a little bit more time, is those who are living for the kingdom of God are more concerned with their obedience to the word and to the things of the world. So to the the concerned person, it's almost like they have one foot and they have one foot out. They like Jesus, they receive the word, but but they're they're still kind of more preoccupied with all the stuff that's going over here, making money, making sure this person likes me, having all the right clothes, getting the good career, being well-known by people. And lastly, we come to the converted person. So... Verse 8, Jesus says, And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And in verse 20, he explains who this person is. But those who are sown on the... What's, what does he say? What kind of soil is this one in verse 20? Those who are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. What is the point of the parable of the sower? Like I said it earlier, right? The point of the parable of the sower is to get us to reflect and to think of how receptive we are to God's word. Let me ask a quick question. Don't raise a hand, don't raise a hand. But if someone their entire life hears God's word being preached over them and they never once do anything about it and they never change and they never bear fruit, would you be convinced that that person is sitting on good soil? I wonder how many of us, week in and week out, We hear the challenge of God's word. We hear the gospel. We hear hear grace. We we hear that, that, that because of grace, it doesn't demotivate us. It actually motivates us for more godly living. And week in and week out, we hear God's word. And maybe you go to Sunday morning church, maybe you come to the youth group, maybe you go elsewhere to hear God's word. How receptive are you to the word of God? Let me tell you what I think the parable story is. Those first three soils are people who do not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They may for a season have looked like it, which makes it really hard sometimes in the Christian life. It makes it really hard because sometimes people can go to church their entire life and hear God's word being preached, but guess what? They don't have any fruit in their life. You Listen, guys, you can go to youth group your entire high school career you can go to Sunday school your entire life and still not have a receptive heart to the gospel. Y- you can hear the best preachers in the world and still be someone who is either cowardly, concerned, or even worse callous towards the gospel. How do we know whether or not we are receptive to the word of God? Are you ready for this? How do, how do you know if you are really receptive to God's word, you bear much fruit. You bear much fruit. And, and what do we mean by bear fruit? We mean that you have a, a relationship with Jesus where you're resting in his grace. That you are someone who knows that when you experience grace for yourself, that it actually challenges you and it motivates you to living a life that is holy and pleasing to the Lord. That you are someone who doesn't just hear the word, but you are someone, as James says, you become a doer of the word. That you are someone who says, I want to be a beacon of goodness and kindness and love to everyone I come across because of the grace and the love that Jesus has given to me. Those who are actively being receptive to God's word will bear fruit. Let me say it very clear and plainly. To be a disciple of Jesus Bearing fruit is an essential. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus and not be receptive to his word. That is an oxymoron. And the reason why Jesus has to speak in parables and the reason why he has to say that I speak this way in order that they may not understand is because he is so used to people like the Pharisees, people like his family, people who who no matter what he says, they have such a hard heart, and no matter what he says, they will not believe him. But to those who have ears to hear, like he says, to those who have ears let him hear, he gives them in parables so they may understand. So therefore, Jesus, he kind of gives them the parable to them. But there are people with such hard hearts that they can sit under the word of God week after week, week after week, and guess what? They never change. What does the parable of the sower mean for all of us? It means, one, we need to constantly consider and examine if God's word is bearing fruit in our lives. Two, that we have an accurate definition of what a disciple of Jesus is. It is someone who correctly responds to the word of God. Let me end by saying this. If you are here and you find yourself in a little bit of a frenzy and you find yourself asking, man, which soil am I in? Man, because sometimes I kind of seem like the rocky soil. And sometimes I even kind of seem like, I can seem like that, the concerned person, that person kind of resonates with me. But can I tell you something really quick? If you're really concerned about this, I have I a have good, good answer for you, good news for you. You can be in the good soil right now. You can choose right now to be good soil, that you'd respond to God's word, that you respond to Jesus, that you would live a life that desires to live out God's word. You don't, you don't have to wonder, in essence. You don't have to kind of go home and say, man, Aaron preached this message. I'm the concerned person. I just a matter of time before I fall away from the Lord. Absolutely not. Here, every single one of us, the, the, the parable was given so that we would examine and we would consider, am I in the good soil? And if not, I need to be. And what does it mean to be in the good soil? We know this already, right? That we are receptive to God's word and we bear much fruit. As a high schooler, you can do this now. And in small groups, we, we could talk a little bit more about what does it look like to maybe to cultivate good soil in our life, that we make time for the word, that we would be eager to listen to it and to obey it, a number of things. But guys, let me be very, very clear. Jesus is not in the business of trying to create insiders and outsiders in the sense that he wants to look at you and say, uh, you're category two, you're category three, oh, you're a good one. Here's why Jesus gives us this parable. To give us the insight and the know about how to discern where we stand with him. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your word, and I pray, Lord, that you take these... Take these few moments, God, and you work in the hearts of these students. I pray, God, that we would not assume, but that we would... um, just ponder and reflect and think about how receptive we are to your word. Lord, I thank you that, that every week we get the opportunity to come and hear your word. And I pray, Lord, that we would become doers and not just hearers. Jesus, we thank you for the gospel that in you that there is grace and that right now you offer us forgiveness of our sins. I pray that we would cling to you in all things. And we praise in Jesus' name, amen.